Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is the 15th of April, 2019. It's May. May. Yeah. Leave it in. Well, I got the day right and the month wrong, so I'm making progress. <laughs> I'm Mike A-Race, if I remember <laughs> my name correctly, with Kyle Robertson and our crew beat writer, Jacob Myers. Per usual, Patrick Flaherty, the Podfathers, is at the per control. Per usual. You weren't here last week. Yeah, we carried the ship. Yeah. Well, I said, <laughs> said per usual, he's behind the board there at the controls. That didn't make sense to you? That Are you listening? Yeah. I'm, I thought... I'm listening Continue. to you. Okay. <laughs> this right. is your show. Are we ready now? We can, you guys ready to go yet? We can okay. run from here, Mike. Take it away, boy. <laughs> <laughs> the marshals. <laughs> He's back. I left my wallet in here with you guys. That, that's a major mistake. Welcome and back. phone. Yeah, yeah, welcome back. Let's go here. We'll start with last week there were two coaches fired just about a week ago. Eight days ago to be exact for one of them. Alan Koch was pink slipped after 11 games in Cincinnati. And at the time... The FCCs were... Did they ever get mixed up with the Federal Communications Commission? I think so, yeah. At the time, they were 2-7-2 <laughs> and two and tied for last place. Tellingly, they had zero goals in April. And at the time he was fired, they had one goal in a seven-game stretch on a penalty kick. Now, when I read that as the crew was going into the game against the Galaxy on Wednesday, I was like, man, that... That sounds awfully familiar. Now, Caleb Porter's in a much different position. We'll get into that in a second. The other coach who bought it, not surprisingly, was Brad Friedel for New England. Or do you say Friedel? I say Friedel. I think it's Friedel. All right. Rhymes with Friedel's. <laughs> They're 3-8-2 and two right now with um, 31 goals against, and that'll get you fired. You can say whatever you want about the crew, but they have 18 against in 13 games, and that's better than 31 last time I checked. And we're going to talk about their scoring in a minute, too, but the, we'll use that firing in Cincinnati as a segue, gentlemen. Caleb Porter's team has lost 6 of 7. 6 of 7. 6 of 7. They have 12 goals in 13 games. More games than goals, generally not a good sign. And uh, they've been shut out five times, uh, most recently Saturday night. So coming off uh, what was a very good game for them against the Galaxy on Wednesday, 3-1 to one victory uh, over the Skolodos. Back in the building, Kyle will ask you about that in a minute. But they come back and they play the strongest team in the league easily. The coach compared LAFC to... Man City, which, you know, you could read that as... Zach's going to LAFC? No, no, <laughs> you could not. you could read that as, it's not me, it's they haven't spent enough money upstairs, okay? I mean, Koch basically said something similar on his way out before he was shown the door. He said that they need more attacking players, and then he got fired. I'm not picking on Caleb, I'm just saying when you say things, they, they can be interpreted in a certain way. He also said that their expected goals, the XG was third in the league two weeks ago. I don't know, they're fifth or sixth now, and basically brushed aside their offensive problems, which are pointed at the right. moment. Now, he did, there was a lot of truth in his post game. Some fans are a little hard on him and call it excuses, but there is truth in the fact that they've had to change their system, Jacob, this year, because they've been decimated by injuries on, on, the, on the flanks. There. On the flanks. And their wings haven't been great, but we're kind of used to that here. But, you know, they lost Milton Valenzuela on one side and Harrison Awful on the other to long-term injuries. Valenzuela's out for the year. Awful just got the his jaw unhinged. He had the wires taken off it or whatever. He had a broken jaw. They went out and got... Waylon Francis right off the hop, which was a ter terrific acquisition given given their need at the position. And he was not available Saturday night, nor was Zach Steffen. So 
this very good, very veteran defensive team that has traditionally had trouble scoring. Let's not forget, I think they were shut out, oh, eight times last year, maybe more. I ran some numbers and they'll be in a column that's that's running tomorrow. But I want to talk to you guys about this. Their budget was just basically made available to them this spring. They made two pretty good acquisitions after a five trade three in three days wheeling and dealing right before the primary window closed at midnight last Tuesday. David Guzman, is he going to help them? He's a he's a defensive midfielder, boys. I'll, Jacob, I'll start with you. I think this week was a little different in the position he plays because the way they're going to kind of roll without Federico Higuain in there, especially at the end of a three games in eight day stretch or that what was another have you, part of it. they moved to a four three three, and I think they like David Guzman in there to kind of handle that number ten role, but more not definitely not as an attacking player, as just a possession guy who can you know move the ball around and, and is. A somewhat, a, I would say, a pretty solid defender in his track record. So he's not going to help any scoring per se, but but he can help in the middle there of just giving more depth. Right. I actually think that he'll he'll help the offense a little bit more. I, I think he's he's a little bit more offensive than than trapping. Tour. You saw how he's definitely more physical. Yeah, and I think that's something they need in the middle. Yeah, and I think the last 15 minutes against LAFC, you know, I think that's going to be your 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 lineup. You know, with the forwards in the in the midfield. I mean, the back line is all messed up right now, but I think that's going to. I think you'll see that more here because I think that's their best offensive line right now. Then you had David Akam. Yeah, lots of man Akam on the on the left, and then Santos on the right, and Zardes and Iguain. Then you know. A trap more in the back on the backside. We've long talked about the wings yeah. and their deficiencies or their spotty play, however you want to describe yeah. it. There's the love hate relationship with Sanch, Pedro Santos, and of course Miram. There was a checkered relationship yeah. here. He begged out of town, he begged back, and now he's gone again because he wasn't playing in in the system. And Rubinho, and Rubinho, who's young yeah. and exposed a little Saturday night, in my opinion. Yep. But in any case, with the calm now, and after this flurry of deals, basically it was an international national slot for Guzman and about 350 in allocation money once you add and subtract everything for David Akam. Nice job. Yep. And Akam could have an impact, Jacob. Yeah, I'm curious how they're going to use him. If if they want to start him right away in that spot for Rubinho, I think Caleb Porter still likes what Rubinho brings. I mean, he did have a nice assist against the Galaxy or whatnot on the he did. on the goal to uh, Zardes, but... It was lovely. I mean, well, and he almost had one. Santos missed the wide-open shot basically the PK spot. This and, past week? Yeah, on Saturday's game, right? Or on I, the good, I, good save yeah, well, on that one? I want to say good save. Kicked it right to him. He, he hit it well. <laughs> well either way, Rubinho had yeah. some chances yeah. where he's got to be better in the decision-making, yeah. and Caleb Porter and said first, that after the game. And first touch as well. Yeah. And first touch, point. yeah. So I'm curious if, if David Akam brings that. I think there's reason to believe in the past that he can. And it's different, you know, in the case of Akam versus Justin Miram, two guys that had really good years, tapered off, and haven't necessarily gotten back right to that level yet. Akam was more from an injury. Miram is just another case. Akam was also, he was stuck in the wrong formation in Philadelphia. They knew it. They even showcased him. But Um, I think you... But with Akam and Miram, you're talking about two different players and and I think a potential upgrade, not just for a change of scenery for Akam and not to mention Miram, who we should say, you know, Yeoman's work here, he was a terrific member of the crew. 188 games, 37 goals, and uh, one spectacular season. So, you know, hat tip to him. But David Akam remains one of the, used to be probably the fastest player in the league, still one of the fastest, Kyle, and, and he can, unlike Merrim, he can keep a de- defense honest. Right, and I think that's what you're seeing a lot in the, in, during their goalless the streak of, of not scoring very many goals is that, you know, the they weren't, 
Zardes wasn't getting the ball in position. Right. He was getting a lot of double teamed. He was, you know, and with a with a faster winger, you know, you, you hope that they create a little bit more separation and you know, we talked about this in the last podcast that if, you know, if he can get out there and get ahead and down the flanks, you know, he, he'll he be crossing balls in to Zardes where that's where, you know, he does his magic and he scores a lot of goals. You know, I think in the last few games, they would get to the wing, they'd get to the ends, then kind of dilly-dally around and then kind of cross it in. By that time, you know, it's too late. Zardes is his best when he's running forward to the ball, you know, from those crosses in from the backside or from, from wherever that they're coming. And I think that you'll see more of that. I mean, I think crew fans would like to see more of that going forward and not going down to the ends, trying to make some moves and then trying to figure out where to go or where to be. You know, Zardes is his best when I said when, when he's running in from the crosses and, you know, doing his one-touch goals or his volleys or that kind of stuff. Yeah, what, exactly. I mean, what Caleb Porter wants on the wings is a pocket winger and a guy who can run behind the lines. And what what I mean by pocket winger, and we talked about this, is, I mean, to a lack of a poor definition, is someone like Pedro Santos, who can be a little bit in the middle, more of a distributor, can send the ball in from different angles, and also attack in the box as well. And I'm curious now, we'll see how long Waylon Francis might be out with, I believe it's a quad injury, I talked to him after the game, with Josh Williams now being at the right back, and Hector Jimenez moving over to left back, they're going to have to do some different things on offense, because Josh Williams isn't going to yeah, run down on the sides, yeah. give Oh, he, he tried. He tried. He did. he did. He did a couple times. But I'm curious if maybe a calm will be on the right side to give them that now and put Pedro Santos right. if if that is the starting well, wingers on the left. Well, awful and Santos if he's technically your pocket winger and awful can get down. Right, and that's the other thing. So yeah. All right, for supporter shield, Jacob. What has Caleb Porter been talking about this week at practice? It was a rocky sort of post game, or, or at least not rocky is the wrong word to describe it. He did spend three minutes and 15 seconds right off the top, basically saying we're better than anyone thinks we are after they'd lost their sixth game in, in seven. And that does hurt, by the way, losing at that clip. They're now in seventh place, 5-7-1 and one, with 16 points. They're tied in the middle there with Toronto, which has played uh, fewer games has played four fewer. I think Toronto's played 10. And uh, Chicago, which has played 12. So, and you know, Toronto's scored 22 goals, and even Chicago has 19. But all of this, especially when you throw in the five shutouts, it is a drag. Yeah. And I know he's pushing back against that and standing behind his players and everything and trying to sell as best he can while they're in this interim before they get to the next transfer window because they are now capable and prepared to actually make a splash. Talk about what Porter's been addressing this week, how he's been defending what has been a, a, a really difficult stretch, and uh, what he plans to do going forward. I think he's still just sticking with the same line of he likes the play that he's seen, and he, he thinks that if they continue on this track and, and also improving each week, which he's, I guess, seeing some improvements in each week, even from this past week against LAFC, I think he's confident not just that scoring will come. I mean, he is making adjustments along those ways. It's not just like yeah, if we continue to do this, I know the scoring will break through. He knows they have to do better, and he's trying to make adjustments in the intermediate to affect that. But I think he's still really confident in this group, even though they're, what, 5-7-1, and one, what have you. So, you know, they're they're back on one game a week now until after that June 1st date, and they have a big break until the 23rd, where they have another home game. So I think if they get some wins there, the, the narrative is completely flipped. What's their XW? Well, I hope it would be uh, more than they've scored. Yeah. 
but <laughs> the XG and and more kind of on the expected goals too because he explained this a little earlier in the year. I think every team has a different expected goals model than Opta and the the stats do that most of these leagues use. He also looks at. What he's kind of been saying, and he said in that postgame, Mike, was we're getting in good positions to create chances and whatnot. So he counts some of those. I don't know, you know, what the kind of variance and are they actually true chances that he right. counts is that he counts or they're far away and then he counts. I don't know how they count it, but it varies from the Opta expected goals a little bit. My wife said to me yesterday, Mike, it looks like you gained about 50 pounds. And I said, my XW is, is a 160. So I'm actually, <laughs> I've, actually I've actually lost 50 pounds. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, congrats. I showed her the math. These are advanced metrics. Yeah, I think so. So you spoke of the upcoming schedule. Saturday, they're at Minnesota United. Is Stefan going to be available? Don't know. Right now, Caleb Porter said they're still evaluating at day-to-day. He has a right foot injury, and he was in a boot before the game on Saturday. Jacob had a story on that very subject in this morning's Columbus Dispatch. Uh, you can go to at Dispatch Alerts. and re- Well, follow us at Dispatch Alerts. You can go to Dispatch.com and check that out. After at Minnesota, May 20th, 25th at Colorado. And then June 1st, as you mentioned, they have New York City FC. Which will here. be Zach Steffen's last game if he's available. Yeah, if he's available. I mean, that could be the last time the home crowd sees a young man who's... Isn't uh, the Gold Cup rosters before so, that, though? Yep, I'll address that. Yep. So, because some people were asking about it, and we clarified with Caleb Porter today, the camp does start beforehand, but that's for the international gotcha. players. I believe it's May 27th, so all the guys like Jossie, Will, and Zach would be here for the June 1st game and then go for the Gold Cup. And then you have a difficult transition for them. What if he's not available? You would have to have at least one game with him right before he leaves yeah i don't know i guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there but i be out three weeks in a row it would have to be a very significant injury so i don't know how possible that is right now so then comes the uh the gold cup break correct yeah and then two home games coming out of the break june 23rd kansas city here and then june 29th orlando here so they'll have a kind of time to regroup and they better have some things figured out and then you're talking about shopping after that or not long after that and you know my impression is they're they're ready to start with one more dp and you know maybe in the five six million dollar range that's just a guess an educated guess and we'll see i'm not that's not cast in stone it's just What's the record acquisition, like transfer fee, that the crew has gotten it, it for was, Disney players? It was it was two million for Santos, yeah. and uh, the most they've gotten for a transfer was was the Stefan deal. Yeah. I would be shocked if Which they didn't shatter that two million. Yeah, right. That's a good way to put it. And you know, thanks for contributing. Well, let's Speaking talk about this. Yeah, yeah. Designated players. Jazzy Zardes right, right, exactly. signs the contract extension that makes him a designated player. And you know, going over it for twenty some minutes of understanding the two most famous acronyms in sports, Tam and Gam. The way I understand is because he replaced Federico Higuain as a designated player, which the crew now apply targeted allocation money to Higuain, whatever he's making over that maximum seller cap for over, a player. Just over a million, right? It was 1.1 1. Yeah, 1 according yeah, 1. to yeah. the Players yeah. Union data, which that has not come out yet for 2019. But Zardes either has to make at the 1.1 1. 1 or mm-hmm. more because he's replacing that player. Gotcha. So based on that, one reason five, to believe yeah, that yeah. he's the highest paid player on the crew this year. And they'll buy down Higuain? Yeah, he's yeah. no longer a designated player, right. so they're using Tam. Well, I, think it's a, I think it's a good move, kind of say, hey, he's our, with Zach leaving and, you know, Will, kind of in between like, hey, he's kind of like our guy, he's the goal scorer. Absolutely. You know, I think it's a good move to kind of say, hey, he's the face of the franchise, get him out there. And, and deserve. Yeah, because and he, I think the coaching you know, staff, too, yep. because this is a different coaching staff that 
they make this three, four months in, however we are into the season now, that they've seen enough of him to yeah. make him that. I think that says a lot, even though he's well, had he has four a family goals. and he has kids, and I believe second or third one just came. Two second, kids, two I kids. Think. So yeah, I mean, I think he wants to kind of figure out where he wants to be for a little while, and I think it's a good move. So at the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia's in first place with uh, 23 points. At DC also has 23 points. Montreal, 20. New York City FC, 18. Atlanta's kind of snuck up the ladder there. Won four in a row. 17 points. And then you got Toronto, Columbus, and Chicago with 16 apiece. Red Bulls, 14. Orlando, 12. Cincinnati won a game coming out of the firing. And New England won as well coming out of the firing. They did win, yep. So how about that? If you fire a coach every week, mm-hmm. you can run the table. It's uh, something to say about that. <laughs> the last thing I want to touch on before we get to the questions, and Kyle, this one's for you. What was the Scloto night like? You know, I thought you it were was... down on yeah, the field. Yeah, it was, it was very... Uh, you know, I think he signed a lot of autographs and a lot of pictures of people before the game. I think people just generally were happy. And, but there were also a lot of fans there to see uh, Mr. Even Heberbridge. So that was... That was a good people want to you know he's the fate one of the faces of the league so in the section where i was shooting from you know every time he got a touch there was a ooh there was an ah and there was a kind of a grumbling you know when uh stefan made that save in the second half so he almost know. had a wondrous yeah goal uh, yeah off yeah. that volley he just so, oozes danger, but, man. but it's the same. It was the same thing um, too on Saturday night too, where you know record you know, crowd for the season. Yeah, pe- we should people mention. wanted to see. You know, there were a lot of people who probably weren't at crew games this year to see Carlos Villa, you know, play and. They cheered when he got that, the third goal there to kind of, you know, really, and one heck of a goal, too. As for the attendance thing, I yeah. mean, this is when it picks up right. traditionally, yeah. and, and, and we're School's not going to talk about out. it. Yeah. No, no, but this yeah. is when it starts late May, the attendance kicks in. That's the way it is. And getting back to Wednesday yeah. night, it was... Yeah. Uh, the only weird thing is he didn't want to talk about it, right, afterwards? Yeah. That was the only... That was, well, you know, they, they kind of got their butts kicked. Yeah, well. There was but that. still, like, I mean, he's, like, Mike will probably, you know, him and McBride are the two... People that are on the no, Mount Rushmore of crew. Hate okay. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but you know what I mean, though. I mean, you right? Know, no, you right. start with you start with them and, yeah. and Frankie for sure. Yeah, um, and those are your three. And now, they didn't. And I know Sean Mitchell yeah. was out there in Twitter world, probably somewhere in the middle of yeah. South Dakota. And he I heard had, it's beautiful this time of year. He had tweeted yeah. something, the Buffaloes are roaming. Yeah. The Buffalo are roaming, I should say. <laughs> but he said, like, didn't they recognize him? And I wasn't there. And I said, well, let's throw this to Jacob. Did they recognize him? No, we, we talked to Bez before the game, so it really wasn't too much on my radar in terms of things. But I, I know responses I got from fans is like, you know, people cheered whenever he passed a section and he gave a wave or whatnot. But if, as far as a big announcement, I don't think there was. Mm-hmm. I think one. so, no. And that, that, I think it'll come, just that, a matter of time. Yeah, that may have been planned by him or something. I don't know. I do know he was certainly well-received by, by the Nordic, and it was uh, well done on television. I saw the game on TV, and, and uh, Neil and Dwight were, were really good with that, per usual, if I may use such a, uh, a phrase as per usual. And now let's get to the questions, Kyle. All what, right. What do we uh, got we're going to start off first um, with the DP Somebody wants to know if Zardes getting the DP signing is a good thing or bad, and what is expected when Biz says they're going to go after another DP. So I mean, I know we touched on it a little bit, but... Yeah, they're going to go after another one. This was not the one he was talking about at all, and I think it is a good thing. I mean, he had a, he had a big year last year, and I would assume since they gave this extension, he was coming up on the end of a deal, so they had to pay him more, and it ended up being in DP range. So And Bez did talk about that they have guys, including Milton, who is not 
on the DP list because he's injured the whole year. But Pedro Santos, too, like Higuain, they can buy well, down with allocation he's money. I mean, he's a young he's a DP. Young DP. So that's, that's not te- it's not in the same. I mean, I think they're, you know, I think those are like a half a million. Years. Right, but like a half a million dollars, you know, for a young DP or something, right? Or is it? Ownership certain, wants to be careful yeah. and management. I mean, ownership wants to be aggressive and uh, management is, is going to go about their aggression with care. And then we come back to it every week. It'll fit into a larger plan of, of being ready for the new stadium in two years. All right. And then the, like the second part this is another question, but it's still talking about the DP. But are there any advantages or disadvantages when buying down an old DP deal? Like, is there, I guess the one thing was maybe the, because they bought down the one, it had to be over the 1.1, okay, 1, right? Yeah, I yeah. know what you're saying. So, and another right. thing to kind of go along with that, what what makes me think Zardes might be the highest paid player is they're not going to spend, like, they could have made this deal and then bought down Zardes, right. which would have just meant they spent right. more target a- allocation right. money. I mean, that they, they bought down Iguain, they did it on Pedro Santos, right. so they could still do him as far as buying down. So I don't think there's any advantage or disadvantage of that, but no, they're, just, they're being smart with their money. Yeah, yep. spending the same money, you're just using right. t- Tamil. It doesn't mean Iguain's making less. Right. Alright, kind of touched on this a little bit, but we have a lot of questions, so any update on uh, the exact date when Zach is leaving and is there any reason why the crew organization hasn't done anything to announce when he is leaving so i i would assume they make some type of recognition i haven't heard anything but as far as the last game be june 1st if depending on this injury and whatnot but think what i remember when i talked to him in preseason he said recently he said june 1st and then gold cup couple days and then he'll go to preseason with man city yeah because he wants to get integrated and kind of figure things out there and kind of which i would expect they loan him out too which so that's some news all right um, later on somebody else wants to know where is frankie so uh, I don't know if I haven't seen him at games lately, but he's still very much associated with the organization and brand ambassador. I don't think the organization wants him to leave in any way. He's the fans clearly value him a lot, and the organization sees that. I'm sure. All right, and then any updates on when the ground breaking of the new stadium might be? We've mentioned this on the program. Yeah. The last that I heard from uh, ownership was that it was framed as as expected. It'd be fall of uh, of this year. All right, and then it says uh, Bendik's uh, goals against is nearly three times that of Stefan. Is that viewed by Porter as a reflection of Bendik's ability or that or the players? You know, that's him? another thing we should have touched on. Yeah. That the, the keeper had a tough game. Right. Well, I'll have a story on this tomorrow being Thursday. So by the time you listen to this, it could be up and or in your paper on your doorstep. So check that out. I think the way they're looking at it has been the way they're always going to look at it. They're going to evaluate how he's doing and make adjustments if they don't think it's adequate. Caleb Porter did say when I asked him yesterday how Joe has looked in his eyes and what he has to do going forward to maybe get the job is he said, well, he's given up some goals, but he still expects him to prove that he's a starting caliber goalkeeper in MLS. So time will tell. I didn't think, I mean, the second goal is one you can look at and kind of roll your eyes like, I don't know how you make that mistake with the one that Mensa kind of headed it over him and gave him a clear shot. But I mean, the crew were also only in a position at that point because he made a big stop on the doorstep. So I think the keeper situation is as we've described it for all these months. And I can understand fans asking questions because Bendik has not had good years in the past. So it makes sense why they might be hesitant or really eager to get a new one in. Well, I mean, as supporter Shield Jacob has mentioned, you know, I don't think they feel pressed to to move on a goalie right now. That's a position where they can... Address no, yeah. yeah, there's no pressing need. They're going to yeah. go with what they have now and and see see where it ha- see where it goes and act. You know, probably when they feel they need to act. 
All right. Um, this one just came in, and we already kind of talked about it a little bit, but is Porter coaching for his job these next two weeks? Uh, Minnesota and Colorado no. are winnable games, but 9 out of 10 is pretty rough. No. Okay. No, no. For all the things that might, say, stick in my craw, like, you know, they're Man City, parentheses, uh, we don't spend as much as they do. The players have to stop making those mistakes on late-game goals. It's not my fault. It's them playing out there. We have an excellent offense. Just look at our XG parentheses I'm doing a masterful job if you know football you can see this parentheses if you're not listening to me you don't know football there are things about his personality that are going to rub people the wrong way and that uh, frankly I'm going to poke some fun at but he's their guy ownership was I don't know how the hiring process worked but it looked to me you know we'll have to maybe look a little more into it but it looked to me like he was hired before Bezbachenko at least that interview process was done if you recall December when he had flirted in, in Los Angeles with the Galaxy and it looked like that, that was a fait accompli. Something lured him back here and that was before Bezbachenko was really in the picture. Right. So now you have to keep in mind that, and this isn't necessarily negative, but that the GM was less involved in the hiring of the coach than the players. And we'll see where that goes. That can be tricky. That said, there's nothing at all to right. indicate that management of soccer operations is not working in lockstep right. with Caleb Porter or he right. isn't intimately connected with the personnel decisions on this team. Well, I think also you haven't seen his perfect team or the team that he wants out there. You know, they had a good He's team to begin with. Perfectly He's, within his rights know, to yeah. point out yeah. that, look, we didn't have an off season, Right. And that they had to start putting their stamp on this team on January 1st, which is impossible. Duffy Guzman was the first player that he added. Yeah. Right. And and on top of yeah. that, I mean I've I've heard that the you know the way the paperwork worked is that they really their hands were tied in terms of a soccer operations yeah. budget until not too long ago. Yeah. So I mean it seems like they finally burst out of the gate when they were given they were given they finally got the the checkered flag and and uh, boom five deals yeah. in a few days. It maybe wasn't that compressed but this wasn't a freeze yeah. let's sit around and think about uh, what we want to do because we have the luxury. They had no luxuries. And so, is Porter in trouble? No. Absolutely not. All right. Also, has Porter given any indication about a permanent formation change to a 4-3-3? No, I I think it's when they don't have Iguain in there as the number 10. I think they use it, though. I mean, I I think even if they're whole... And I think you wake up in the middle of August, yeah. and that's a formation they might use. Yeah. Well, in 2015, well, he switched yeah. to one late in the year, and they made that huge run and ended up winning well, the MLS Cup. You don't have well, to think, remind crew fans. Yeah, well, I think it's a good point. It's a good. But they're having trouble. Yeah. Look, they, they've traditionally generated their service from from the flanks right. for obvious reasons, injuries, etc. Um, mostly personnel. They've been hampered. Right. And so you have right. to think of other ways to generate offense. And we saw him play yeah. much more direct against the Galaxy, didn't we, Jacob? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can talk about formations, but I think the 4-3-3 may play into how they think. I mean, even Burhalter changed formations. But it took him a while, though. Yeah, it took him a while, but... I think he learned his lesson. All right, last question, and this is a good one. I believe today is the 20th anniversary of Crew Stadium slash Moffre Stadium. What? First game, right? Yeah, first game, yes. Yeah. So, somebody wants to know, what are your favorite memories in the last 20 years at the stadium? You guys go. I was. I have a list, so I have. You know that this one comes just off the top of my head, but I, I always because you threw that before we came on the air and before you guys threw me off. You can follow along on Twitter too. I could have outside, yeah. That's true. 
follow us along at Dispatch Alerts and uh, at Dispatch.com. And Patrick Flaherty will have that out there. I believe you're tagging the tweets, too. Well, I didn't look at them. I was busy prepping for the show. What's your job? You, you came this, in late, Kyle. No, no. Your job's a you're, question. That's fine, worthy. You had to find parking. <laughs> now, one that sprang immediately. I, I mean, there's the whole 08 season, which was uh, which was magical. And there's any number of moments there. You know, it was um, the way Scalotto owned that season. You just knew they were going to win almost. By midseason, they were unstoppable. And you knew it. And it's like uh, they'd be down here, not playing well there. And then uh, you, you knew, okay, here comes uh, some kind of set piece. And Chad Marshall's going to score. Or, or Gavin's going to score because Scalotto told him to go over in the corner and get him the ball. Why? Uh, just do it. Eddie Gavin. Um, uh, him. I miss Gavin. Yeah, he's, he's good. All but right. for all that, all right. I, I always think of... Uh, the Dosicero, I think it was 09 when Frankie started that game against Mexico, and uh, he might have been man of the match. Well, I think Bradley was because I think he had the two. Did he have the two goal? Was that the storm one? Was that the? I got to look it up. That was just February. was it where it was like a tornado, like three but, hours before. No, that. But I remember yeah. the game because uh, Frankie was so happy with the victory that the Mexican coach thought he was talking smack or something <laughs> like that. And so uh, it was an assistant, Paco, Paco Ramirez, there you go. Uh, just cuffed Frankie about the ears in the tunnel. <laughs> and that's texture. Uh, yeah. That's stadium texture. All right, here's my list. I did this this morning at the gym. There are three that are on the honorable mentions. You have the Women's World Cup, um, yes. which I wasn't oh, at. I was there for um, that. The U.S. Open Cup championship game, one here, and the U.S. national team game against Mexico on 9-11. That was pretty epic and a lot of just USA chants and everything. But here's my uh, top 10 of moments for myself. So number 10, when I first started here, um, they did a lot of high school football games there. And it was really cool because they would they would put the the teams from the different communities, like the Davidson versus Darby's, you know, and the, and the stadium would be completely full. The Westervilles, the Pickerington's, the Reynoldsburg, you know, big time schools that wouldn't play because there would be a home field advantage. So that was like really, really cool. So that was number 10. Number nine was the Michael Bradley scoring the two goals in the Dosa Sarah. I think that was Dosa Sarah three before there was a huge storm. Patrick, how are we doing on time here? Well, I'm going fast. All right. Next is uh, uh, well, my uh, Let's go for high school, uh, Hillary Davidson won a state championship in 2007. Seven was the Gold Trap winning um, state championship in PKs against, I believe, St. Ed's, and they were the number one team in the nation. Number six was the MLS Cup against Portland in 2015. I'm no- sorry, that ball was out. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, number five was uh, when the crew won the Eastern Conference Finals against the Fire and Brian McBride at Montfire Stadium. That was pretty awesome. Four um, was the last uh, Dosa Sarah game when Donovan scored and then Clint Clint missed the PK. Yeah, to keep it to um, zero, yeah. Three was the first ever game against the Revolution because I'm a fan. Huh? Yeah. Not that. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, Deuce. Oh, wow. <laughs> But anyway, that was just a big moment, you know. You know, and then two, I would say it's the save the crew game. You know, the end of the regular season last year when they announced that they were saving it, that was pretty awesome. You know, before the game, and then number one was the first Dosisera game because that kind of kickstarted the whole thing. And I remember being a fan, and you know, the the te- the Mexican national team didn't even come out for warmups, you know, during the game because it was so cold. So those La- are my La Guerra Fria. <laughs> Yeah, was it the Cold War. That yeah, that? yeah, that's what it's known yeah. as in Mexico. Yeah, don't have many because yeah. I didn't go to games in high school or in at Ohio State. I went to a couple, but I was at that Women's World Cup game. Really cool. I think if I can remember that far back, I was only maybe three rows up and definitely didn't know the significance at the time. But that was cool. And then I saw St. Charles playing the state championship in my high school, oh, so geez. that was cool. Got to pander a little bit. Oh, that's brutal. Well, we're mucking this question up at this point. I will say we'll dedicate 
a show to this because we obviously miss so much. There's some old-time crew fans that are probably thinking back to some games against D.C. or Chicago that are indelible in, the, in their in their mind's eye. Can I put the Atlanta one this year on that list? That was pretty... Yeah. I think people will remember that I think in years this, to come. I think the Save the Crew game is, yeah. is number one. And uh, also, there's a couple three games last year you could throw in there yeah. like when the uh, the reunion game. That yeah. Was a, yeah, that was the Legends game before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. And well, you know what? We'll parse through this, think it out, and, and uh, come back to it with some guests uh, Ooh, for sure. Yeah, that'd be, be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be much better than the program you just listened to. has been pretty... But thanks for joining us anyway. For Kyle Robertson and Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer, and at the Potfather, too. Thanks for joining us, and Patrick, kick us out of here. <laughs>